morning, church on the rock. Good morning, Woo! Yes, I am ready for this one. I got this new shirt that says, uh, never said it, Jesus, right? And that's just awesome because there's a lot of things he never said or never intended to be said that way that we take and, and kind of run with. And that's kind of where we're going to be at today. So we're in this five-year-long journey through the book of Romans. Amen. Amen. See, people are already tired of it. You see that? But look, um, we're starting a brand new series called The Grace Card uh, this week, called The Grace Card. We're going to be in Romans 1, 5 through 7. I want you to understand this as we continue to walk through these verses. Anything you learned last series and the series before that is a part of the same letter, okay? So you can't just be like, okay, new series, forget, forget everything I learned the last three weeks. No, it's all context for where we are now. So last, you know, last series we did the, the, the promises of God, the prophets of God, and the pages of God reveal the gospel of God through the person of God, which is Christ, and he was... Uh, determined or proclaimed to be that person through the resurrection of, uh, of, from the dead, which showed the power of Christ, right? And so um, we're on the grace card now. I'm going to read Romans 1, 5 through 7, and we're going to start breaking this down. Stick with me. It is like a word study, okay? It's more of a word study, but it's because we can't move further or even understand what grace means in this context until we understand the different definitions of grace. So we're here to learn. Let's learn something together. All right, so it says uh, Christ is the through whom here, but through whom, being Christ, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. He goes on and says, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. He goes on and says, to all who are beloved of God in Rome, so this is who he's writing the letter to, called his saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So today we're going to be focusing on Romans 1, 5, but specifically one word. Uh, give me the highlighted version there. Uh, Jesus Christ. So we just talked about last week the power of resurrection, the power of Jesus uh, being resurrected from Christ. It, it, confirmed, it confirmed and affirmed to us that Jesus was the Son of God. So it's through him who, Jesus, through him we have received grace. Everybody say grace grace. All right. So that's the only word we're looking at so that next week when we actually uh, break this verse down, we know what grace means in this verse. So the word grace in the Greek is the word kadis, C-H-A-R-I-S. It looks like an X, which is where we get Christmas from and all that, like Xmas, but it's actually a C-H sound in the Greek. Kadis is the word for grace. Now, I put on Facebook, I said, hey, what does grace mean? And here were some of the definitions we got that we came up with on Facebook just as the, the overall population. Some people said unmerited favor, which is a great regular definition. Grace is getting what you don't deserve, which is a very, very good regular definition. Somebody said forgiveness of our sins. That is a, excellent because, you know, being forgiven of your sins, you deserve hell. You don't deserve forgiveness. Grace through Christ is the forgiveness of your sins. And Dave Collins, raise your hand. Yep, right there. Uh-huh. Gangster race. Anybody? Okay. Oh, I just want to make sure because supposedly I lost my hood card for not knowing what this meant. Um, he said, you know, G race. Gangster. No, no. That, don't ignore that definition and do not depend on Dave for any of your understanding of the Bible, all right? Was working on making him a leader, that's done, all right. 
but here's the thing. Um, outside of Dave Collins, the rest of these definitions are legit. They're legit definitions. And the overall definition we all kind of think of when we think of grace is not getting what we do. I mean, not, excuse me, getting what we don't deserve, right? He gave me grace. I don't deserve it, so it's grace. Um, but yet, we take that definition or the forgiveness of sins definition, and anytime we read the Bible and we see grace, that's what we think. We think it means not getting, or getting what we don't deserve, or we think it means the forgiveness of sins. And so we apply it every time we see the word grace in the Bible. We're like, oh yeah, grace, you know, like forgiveness of sins. Yeah, grace, forgiveness of sins. And so we apply it in our lives in the same way. We're like, hey, um, I'm about to go cheat on my wife, but God gives grace, right? Or we're like, hey, I know I should be serving in the church, but God gives grace. Hey, I know I should be giving, but, you know, I'll play the grace card, right? Like, that's how we use grace. We're like, when I disobey God, grace is the card I play so that I can get away with it, right? And, and so sometimes, yes, you're walking along and you mess up and you're like, oh, thank God for grace because I didn't even realize I was doing this. You know, I heard this sermon and it showed me something. I never knew that was a sin, Larry. And I'm, I, I sinned and, man, thank God for grace because I deserve hell for that. But I didn't even know about it. But, man, thank you, God, for grace. Amen. Amen for that. But some of us wake up and we're like, yeah, I'm going to get lit tonight. I'm going to get drunk. I'm going to go out and do what I want to do. I'm going to go sleep with who I want to sleep with. And I'm a Christian, though, so God will give me grace. Now, now tell me something. How does that work in your relationship? Hmm? What if your spouse woke up and was like, yeah, I'm going to go get drunk tonight, Rashad. I'm going to go get uh, lit tonight, and I'm going to go cheat on you with many people, but just give me grace on the front end. How, how does that premeditated promiscuity work for you in your relationship? Anybody, anybody going for that? Anybody in their relationship going for that? So why, why y'all do that with God? Huh? Why you, why you so comfortable saying, I know I shouldn't, but because of the grace of God, I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. How y'all feel about that? You wouldn't do it in your relationship. You, you require more in your relationship, but when it comes to God, it's, uh, it's different, right, because of how you've been taught grace. So I want to I teach grace in a different way. Uh, the things we see, grace is getting what you do not deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. And justice is getting what you do deserve. It's funny how we scream we want justice. You'd go to hell if you got justice. <laughs> see what I'm saying? So uh, words, remember this before we get started. Words have many meanings, right? All kinds of meanings, but only one meaning in its context, okay? So a word can have many meanings, but only one meaning in its context. And you know this if you pay attention. For example, the word good, right? Uh, if me and Dave went out to eat, and then we're eating, and then they say, hey, uh, here's the bill, and Dave grabbed mine and said, I got you, and I'd be like, I'm good? Like, I'm good? He'd be like, yeah, you good. You know, like, that, that doesn't mean I'm good at anything, it just means I got you, right? Or um, if he offered me some, some sushi, and I don't like sushi. He'd be like, hey, man, here's some, you want some of my sushi? No, nah, I'm good. That, it's like I don't want any sushi, right? Or uh, just, just uh, somebody falls and busts their kneecap open, and they come running in here, and, and I'm like, he's good. You know? <laughs> like that's, that's right, but it's one word, right? And we use the same word, and there's many different meanings based on the tone and the context and all that, right? Or, for example, you all know I use the word dope all the time. And when, when people, like culturally, people are like, <gasps> The pastor said dope, right? What kind of pastor uses the word dope in, from the pulpit, right? 
And I'm like, why is he talking about drugs? And it's like, that's not what it means. Like, it means different things in different contexts. So like, this morning I got this inbox on Facebook um, from a member here uh, about the, the whole Popeye's chicken, Chick-fil-A thing. Uh, give me that real quick. So here's my uh, Facebook inbox. Um, Amanda, uh, raise your hand, Amanda. There's Amanda. Okay, she doesn't have to raise her hand. Jessica, raise your hand. Chick-fil-A girl. Okay, Kristen, raise your hand. And Jason, Jason was in there, right? Uh, okay, yeah, them, them girls right there. You see that? You see that? All right, go back to my inbox. Go back to my inbox. So look at this. Jessica, the ringleader, thing number one, goes, what's up, everybody? Hey, Rashad, I have a confession. She says, if I'm being honest, Popeye's chicken sandwich is? Say it out loud. Popeye's chicken sandwich is? All right, all right. So, so, so look at this. Look at this. It says, I said, huh? Wait, what? Huh? Right? Like, I thought you were the Chick-fil-A lady. So go to my next one. So she goes, I mean, so how do we know she's not talking about Popeye's chicken sandwiches drugs, right? You got to know the context. Well, look at the context. She goes, I mean, it is really, really good. But I'm going to wear that shirt anyway and get these other girls to wear it with me because I'm just loyal to Chick-fil-A. But Popeye is the better chicken sandwich, or as you say, Rashad, savage. So how did I reply? How did I reply? I said, that's dope, right? Like, that's awesome. That's amazing. And then I said, that's hilarious. It's cool. I think all of us in this chat can appreciate you being loyal to Chick-fil-A, but thanks for being honest. She said, love you. I said, love you all. And just in case Kristen and Amanda are like, I didn't see that. Well, yeah, it says right there, seen by Jason and Jessica, not the rest of you. So um, that's that. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. So now, but do you see how dope, you, do you see how dope could mean drugs? It could mean good, or my wife could say, hey, Rashad, you're a dope, you know, for doing that during a sermon. You're a dope, right? Like, and it means like you're foolish, you're, you're, right? But it's the same word. That's what I want to get across to you today, okay? Uh, let's bring it back in here. Grace can mean unmerited favor. In fact, it does overall. But in its context, there's different versions of what grace actually means. Is, okay, so we're going to look at that today, walking through a word study. One word, we're going to preach it. We're going to be looking at lots of scriptures. If you need the slides, tell us. We will zip them over to you. I know it goes kind of fast. I get that. But I want you to just have a better understanding of what grace can mean and what it means in Romans 1.5 specifically. It will change your life if you just give me your attention for the next 25, 30 minutes. All right. So we're going to start with the first definition of what grace can mean in the New Testament, all right? Grace as thanks to a human being, to express gratitude or show appreciation to a human being. So this is like, I can, I can thank you, Sam, for taking the picture that you took last week of me and the family that was here from Nigeria and give you like grace or give you thanks for that. In Luke 17, 9, in Luke 17, 9, uh, when Jesus is saying, what owner, what master of slaves, after the slaves work in the field, would come into the house and say, hey, you sit down and I'm going to serve you. No, 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 no. He says, hey, you make my food. You do what else you're supposed to do. This is your job. So he says, he, the master, does not thank or codice thank the slave because he did the things which, which were commanded, does he? So, so look at this. This is what he's saying. You don't get a pat on the back or grace for doing what you're supposed to do. I'm so sick of people like using, at least, I'm a, at least I take care of my kids. You're supposed to take care of your kids. You don't get a pat on the back for taking care of your kids. You're supposed to take care of your kids. At least I'm faithful to my wife. 
You're supposed to be faithful to your wife. You don't get extra thanks or extra grace because you're doing what you're supposed to do. But we do it, we do it in Christianity. Well, I came to church. You're supposed to come to church. Well, you want a cookie for coming to church as a Christian? I, I tithe this week. I, 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 I served this week. Da, da, da. You're supposed to. That's what you, you don't get grace or thanks. You don't get human compliment for doing what you're supposed to do. It doesn't work that way, but that's one version of the word grace, right? They're codice. It's thanks, right? So there's one. That's not the one that we have for this week, though. Romans 1.5, that's not the one for this one. So let's go to our next example. It's as honor, like having a, a positive social standing or reputation. Leave it there for a little bit. Having positive social standing or reputation, all right? Acts 2.47. So this is after Pentecost. Um, it says that, you know, 3,000 people were saved and came to know the Lord and all that. And when we go to Acts 2.47, look, here's one of the things that showed the, the amazingness of what was going on with them. They were all praising God and having codice, having favor, having codice with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. What does that word mean? They were having honor or respect. Uh, people enjoyed them. Uh, they were having favor, as it's, as it's used here. So that, looking at us as, as believers, sometimes we're like, I don't care what people think about me out there. Well, that's not, you're supposed to make the gospel be adorned. The gospel's supposed to look beautiful, right? Um, people get so in this holy huddle in here. Uh, somebody actually told me, uh, you shouldn't have to preach hell to believers. Only believers should be gathered together in church. And I'm like, that, that makes no sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's so many more here than just believers. And this gospel should be adorned. It should be something beautiful when a non-believer hears it. Well, how do we make it beautiful? Well, by having favor with all the people. You see that? By having grace with all the people, by having codice with all the people. So in this, in this context, it means to have favor, to have honor, to be respected, to be looked at well uh, from those who are on the outside, in a sense. You have codice with the people. So there's another one. This is the only time that you see it used that way in the New Testament. All right, keep going. And the next one. We have as charm or appeal, attractiveness, attention-grabbing, honest, stimulating, or pleasing. In Luke 4.22, it says this about that word right there. And all were speaking well of Jesus and wondering at the codice words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? So this is where we get like people who talk with charisma, right? Codisma, right? Uh, people who are charismatic. This is where all that comes from. In other words, very eloquent with their words. They were looking at Jesus, and they were like, wow, it's awesome. When he speaks, when he talks, it just, it's captivating. It grabs me. You guys know what it, what it looks like. You've, you've seen some great speakers before, right? Yeah. Right? No, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> but, but look at this. But, but, here's, here, but here's the thing. Like, uh, this could be like a blessing and a burden. There, there are churches out there who teach nothing about the gospel, nothing about Christ, nothing about sin, hell, repentance, but they sound really good. They, they have a lot of grace or kindness. They have a, they're gracious with their words. They speak very well, so they'll tell you whatever they want to tell you. Hey, you look good. Your best day is now. Today, you deserve all the blessings in the world right here on earth. Ain't nobody going to hell. Hell don't even really exist, and, but they say it in such a way, you're like, yeah, hell don't really exist. No, no. So just because somebody is charismatic doesn't mean they're speaking 
uh, with the grace of God in a sense, right? But that's another, that's another meaning for the word right there. It's gracious or favorable or attractive wording or attractive anything in a sense. But that's not the one we're using today. That's not the one we're using today. I'm just showing you all the different possibilities that one word can have in its uh, context. And some of you will read that and be like, man, all were speaking well of him and wondering at the forgiveness of sin words that he was using. And it's like, it doesn't fit. That doesn't even fit, but that's how you'd read it because that's the only definition you know. Or you'd be like, hey, uh, they were wondering at the unmerited favor words which he were, you know, uh, falling from his lips. But that's, that's not what goes there. And yet, many of us, because we don't know any other definition for grace, would automatically say, well, you know, grace. He, he had gracious words. They were forgiving of sin words. And it's like, no, that, that doesn't fit, does it? Does that fit to anybody else? Nope. Y'all not here? Y'all here? Wake up! Wake up! All right, next verse, or right, ne- yeah, next point. So grace can also be a system, okay? A system or a way instituted by God in which the right standing or righteousness required by God is obtained and offered as a free gift through faith in Jesus Christ alone. All right, I'm going to leave that up there so you can take a picture of it. I know people are trying to take pictures. Take pictures real quick. All right, so let's, let's dig into this a little bit. Romans 6, I want you to see this. He says, for sin, this is still the book we're in, the letter we're in, for sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace, under the system of law, which says, hey, in the Old Testament, there are 613 commandments, and if you want to be able to stand in the presence of God, you need to keep all 613 commandments perfectly. If you break one, you break them all, you are no longer holy, you can no longer be in my presence. That's the law system, okay? Is that what anybody wants? You break one, you broke them all. So you want to talk bad about the homosexual? You want to talk bad about the child molester? Well, have you ever lied to anybody? Okay, you break one, you break the same law that the child molester and the homosexual brought. I mean, broke. That is the Old Testament law. That's the system, in a sense, of trying to keep and earn your holiness. You see that? So how would anybody make it to heaven? How would anybody be able to go to heaven if you have to keep this law, grace, this other system that says, no, 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 it's not based on you keeping the perfect law, it's based on Christ fulfilling the perfect law, dying in your place, you placing your faith in him, and by the grace of God, you are saved. You see that? Like, who? I'd mean, be jumping around like, hey, hey, man, you know what I mean? So, so you're, it's a system as well. You're not under the, the system of law. You're under the system of grace. But this is what we do. We learn that and we say, amen, right, mama? We say, amen, amen, under the grace. So now I'm going to go out and do what I want to do because it's not about me doing right anyway. It's about what Christ did. So I'm going to just keep on sinning. Mm. So Paul says this. He goes, he actually asked that question. He's like, you guys are like this. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the system of law, but we're under the system of grace? And the translation of that, that may it never be, that's kind of mild. He's like, heaven to the no. He's like, no, 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 no. Right? He's like, no, no, no. That's not how it goes. He keeps going and he says this right here. Look at this. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness. So if you submit yourself willingly, I'm just going to go on sinning because we're under the system of grace, well, you're a slave to sin still. 
You're still a slave to sin. That ain't, that ain't no saving anything. That's not saving faith. That's fake faith. That's hypocritical faith, right? So it's a system as well. Go to my next one. Let's just go to the next one here. I'm doing decent on my time. Okay. As credit, something that's obtained or adds to reputation or esteem. So we're going to look at Luke 6 real quick. Um, so it, grace can be like to your credit. So he says, if you, if you love those who love you, what cottage, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them, right? You don't get no credit for loving the person that already loves you. He goes on and he says in the next verse, if you do good to those who do good to you, what cottage or credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And then in 634, look at this. He says, and if you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what cottage is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. So like, you don't get no credit or cottage or grace because you're doing what we would naturally do anyway. Now look at this. Look at the power of God working in you. Go to the next verse. But look, he says, but love your enemies and do good and lend and expect nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. That's where the credit comes from. That's where the cottage comes from. One more. Give me the Peter one. Give me the Peter one. Look at this. Married folks, y'all not going to like this. I'm just going to show it to you real quick, though. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. He goes on and says, in the next verse, he says, For this finds cottage, favor, credit, if for the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. Why does this hit the marriage people? Because this is the context Peter uses to talk about y'all marriages, all right? So it's from this that he gets into marriage and says, Wives, even when your knucklehead husband is disobedient to the word of God, have a gentle and quiet spirit. And wives be like, why is it just a wives? Mm-mm. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. If not, I'm not even hearing your prayers. And this is the example. This is one of the examples he gives of if you only love your wife or only love your husband when they're doing right, what cottage is, is that? But when even they're doing wrong, when even they're doing wrong, you love them, and you're quiet, and you're gentle, and you're understanding, both of you, not one or the other, both of you. That's when God sees God, like the favor. That's, that's when he sees the credit. Like, that's what you get credit for. He says, for what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure, this finds the cottage with God. So if you go to jail and you're like, man, I'm just going to do my time. God is working on me. No, you robbed a bank. You're going to do your time because you robbed a bank. You don't get no credit for that. But when you haven't done anything wrong and for the sake of Christ you are suffering, you get credit for that. So he says, so suffer because that's what gets you the cottage, the grace, right? Powerful. See how, that, see how that changes some things right there? Keep going. Next one. Next one. All right. Favor is a present. I'm not going to look at the scripture. You could use 1 Corinthians 16, 1, 4 specifically. You can get a picture of that. But right here, it literally means uh, a gift. So, you know, you can have favor like I have favor, God's favor. Or you can say, hey, 
hey, do me a favor. You know what I mean? And that's like, do me a gift. Do me a present. Do something for me. And in, in 1 Corinthians 16, he uses it that way. He says, we've collected this, this codice, this gift from many churches to give to you. So it's, it's a present in a sense. Um, and the next one, it's thanks to God. We don't have to look at any of these scriptures, but it's basically every time you see grace be to God, thanks be to God. So you have human thanks, you know, like a pat on the back for something you've done, which can be grace. But then you have divine thanks. Hey, I'm, I'm a, I was blind. I, was, I once was blind, but now I see grace be to God. Thanks be to God. Now imagine if you said unmerited favor be to God. Or you said, forgiveness of sins be to God. That don't even make sense, right? But it's thanks be to God, and, it's, and you see that a lot. And, and once again, all these are still things you don't deserve. You deserve hell. So any of this is things you don't deserve. It works overall. But each one in its context has a different meaning. So finally, um, going to the divine enablement here, this is the one I want you to catch. Grace as divine enablement. This is the one all of us ignore. Very few of us know. And it's used 36% of the times that the word codice is used in the New Testament. It's this word right here, divine enablement. Everybody know what a cause and effect relationship is? Something causes and effect? That's what, the, that's what grace means in this context. It's, hey, divine, uh, God has a divine cause inside of you that produces a divine effect. All right? This is powerful right here because this changes the way you have to live if you claim to be a Christian. You cannot claim to be a Christian and, and say you cannot do whatever he's called you to do. He's given you the divine enablement to do it. It changes everything. So instead of waking up and saying, I'm going to play my grace card because I know I'm going to sin. No, no, no. You wake up and play your grace card so that you don't sin. It's a completely different thing. Everybody runs around screaming grace, screaming grace, forgiveness, forgiveness, let me do what I want to do. God, leave me alone. Just give me grace. And it's like, no, 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 no. 36% of the time you see that word, he's talking about him giving you the power, giving you the enablement to actually do the right thing. So why ain't we doing it? What's your excuse now, Christian? I, I, I can't, I can't. No, no, no. You won't. There's a difference. You won't. We're going to walk through these real quick. 1 Corinthians 15, 9. Look at this. Paul says, look, I'm the least of all the apostles. You know, I, I, I didn't walk with Jesus for three years. He pulled up on me when I was on my way to go kill more Christians. For I'm the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. But look at this next verse. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the divine enablement of God, I am what I am. When we use that as Americans... We always use it in a negative sense. I know I ain't doing right. I know I'm disobeying God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's like a defeating thing. But Paul used it with power. I know my past. I know my history. I know I cheated on my wife. I know I, I was a horrible father. I know I failed this community. I know when people look at me, they still see who they saw in high school. But by the grace of God, by the divine enablement of God, I'm up here preaching to you right now. By the grace of God, I'm faithful to my wife. By the grace of God, I ain't touched a bottle in nine years. By the grace of God, I haven't looked at any porn. By the grace of God, I'm doing everything that everybody in this community thought I could never do. Because I couldn't. 
but he can. So he's given me grace to be what I am. It was his grace, his divine enablement toward me. It didn't prove in vain. I labor more than all of them. I tell people in a heartbeat, man, I'd be working harder than most of the pastors I know, but oh, can't boast. It's not me. It's the grace of God with me. You see that? You see that? This is, this is what we're looking at. So, you know what? From this moment on, I can't hear your excuses like that. Hey, yo, bro, why'd you post that on Facebook? Man, I know I shouldn't know, but, you know, I, I couldn't help it. Yeah, you could. You could have, bro. Hey, why, why, why you do your wife like that? Well, you know, man, it's just so hard. I can't. Yeah, you could. You just won't. You, Rashad, you don't understand how hard it is to, 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 I do, when you're trying to do it on your own. But God, think about this. When he told you to be holy, he gave you everything you needed to be it. He didn't do like the law and say, this is what it takes to be holy, figure it out. He brought Christ. He said, yo, we can sum up the whole law in these two commandments. Love God, love others. Man, that's hard, ain't it? Ain't it hard to love God and love others? Just two commandments. We're going to break this 613 down to two. Love God, love others. You got two commandments. You can't do it, though, can you? You can't do it. But you call yourself a Christian. And he has divinely enabled you to forgive that person that betrayed you. He has divinely enabled you to love that person that's unlovable. He's divinely enabled you to say no to the sin that keeps calling your name. I get it. It's calling you, right? Those sins are calling you, right? You, you sit there and you're like, I, I know I'm not supposed to, but it's calling me. It looks so good. It tastes so good. It, it, I, I just, I can't help it. I, I can't help but sleep with that chick that's living with me when I know we ain't married. I can't help it. It looks so good. I can't help but open that website that I'm not supposed to. I can't help it. I can't help but get drunk on a Saturday night to make all the worries of the world. I can't help it. Okay, Christian, then either you don't have a divine cause working inside of you or you just won't. That should hit everybody because we cry out to y'all, members, we need you to serve. I can't. No, you won't. You have everything you need. You have God's grace, divine grace, to help you with anything that he will call you to. He doesn't call you to something that he hasn't equipped you divinely with. Y'all really think I'm, I know what I'm talking about? <laughs> this, this, this is God working inside of me, revealing his scriptures. Rashad, how do you preach like that? Grace. Rashad, how do you learn about grace? How do you wake up every morning and read your, your, your Bible for two, three hours a day? Grace? Y'all think, think I've always read my Bible for two, three hours? There was 28 years of my life, I never opened a thing up on my own. Now I can't put it down. Y'all think that's me? It's grace. I can't, I can't take any credit. So every time you say you can or you won't, you can take credit for that because that's you. That's you. But grace is dwelling inside of you, Christian, to actually do the supernatural. Divine cause producing divine effects. 
Uh, give, me the, give me the next scripture real quick. Um, I want to run through that. Uh, not the, uh, nope, go to the next one. Go to the next one. Yep, right here. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12. Give me the 12. I, I just want you to see how this works because we use it so out of context. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation. So Paul's like, look, because I know so much from God, he's revealed so much to me. Look at this. For this reason, to keep me from being prideful and exalting or boasting about myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me, to keep me from being prideful. To keep me. When you get on these platforms, pride can go to the head real quick. You can start thinking you all that, all right? So, so God literally kept him humble. There was a, a messenger of Satan, a thorn in his side. And look at this. He pleaded with God. He, concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might, like, please take this thorn from me. God wouldn't take it from him. Look what he said. He said this. The Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. We use this all the time. We like, you know, I... I, I know I shouldn't have done this disobedient thing. I know I shouldn't have sinned, but God's grace is sufficient. You're using it the wrong way. God's grace is sufficient for you to not sin. God's grace is sufficient for you to overcome the trials and the temptations, the things in life that are meant to break you. His grace is sufficient. You see that? When you're struggling in marriage, when you're struggling with your kids, any kind of death, any kind of world problems, any kind of fears that are meant to break you, that weaken you, that bring you to your knees, his grace is sufficient for that. His power is perfected in your weakness. So when it breaks you down and you still stand up, they see his grace and not you. You see that? So, so what does that look like when you sit here and you call yourself a Christian, but got the can't help is to cuss somebody out? Or got the can't help is to post something you ain't got no business posting, or to say something you got no business saying, or to do something you got no business doing? Or what does it look like when you're not doing what you should be doing? That's what cheap grace look like. You're making our God look weak. You're making our Jesus look like he didn't conquer the grave because he can't even conquer you. So Romans 1.5. Paul says this. Go to Romans 1.5 real quick. Paul says, it's through Christ whom we have received grace, divine enablement, and a divine gift, apostleship specifically for him. And whatever that is for you, there's many texts that show you that you have a gift and you have the grace to actually fulfill that gift. Most of you won't even search for that gift because you're too busy sitting in this in here. You're so busy, you want to fill yourself up with a whole bunch of no, 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 no about the Bible, how much you know about the Bible, but ain't doing nothing with it because you're sitting in here and we're begging you to just serve, to just let the grace flow through you. So here's my sticky points right here and I'm going to get out your way. Look at this. Grace is a divine enablement. Grace is not a divine excuse. Let that sink in. It's a divine enablement, not a divine excuse. We use it as an excuse for doing the wrong things. And don't get me wrong. There still is room in place that says, Amanda, I, I keep messing up. I, every week I need God's forgiveness his unmerited favor? Yes, I do. 
But boy, would it look different if I woke up tomorrow and said, God, I'm playing my grace card to do what's right. And then give me the other side of it when I do fail while trying to do what's right first. See the difference in that? Next point, look at this. Stop using grace for permission to sin. Start using grace for power to not sin. See the difference there? We use it for premeditated promiscuity. I'm going to go cheat on God and play the grace card. Instead of, because of my grace card, I'm not cheating on God. It's a completely different mindset that we don't use because we don't understand the meaning. Next one. We go on and say, stop trampling his grace, start trusting his grace. A lot of us are trampling it. Why? Because we're not using it. I've enabled you with divine power, and you're sitting on it instead of trusting it. I know you can't stop drinking. I couldn't either. But he has divinely enabled me when I trusted him with my sorrows instead of that bottle. You see that? I placed my trust in him and allowed him to work through me. And you saw the divine effect of conquering an addiction. A lot of people can't conquer because we can't conquer those addictions on our own. It takes his divine enablement. You see that? Next up. And then stop using grace for permission not to serve. Start using grace for the power to serve. A lot of you won't serve here or maybe at your home churches or anywhere else. Why? Because you played a grace card. Well, you know, I got all this going on. No, 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 no. He's giving you everything you need so you can be effective for the kingdom. You just got to do it. We need you. So, that's good stuff. Rock response number one. I want you all to read Romans 6 and stop using grace as an excuse to sin. All right? Read Romans 6. It'll speak to you. Uh, worship team, get ready to come up because I know you've seen this already. Rock response number two. Uh, think about divine enablement. If you choose Christ, he will enable you. 20% of people in here, more than likely, are not believers. I'm just going to call it what it is. Look, probably part of the reason you're not a believer, you're like, all those things that you got to do to be a Christian, I can't be. I can't do. Well, neither can anybody else in here, all right? It's, it's him that enables us. If you choose Christ, non-believer today, if you choose Christ, he will enable you, okay? He will take care of the rest. And those of you who have chosen Christ, you should be enabled. You should see something working in you. Use it. Show that fruit. Assure yourself of your salvation. Amen? And last one, last one, look at this. Use your grace card from now on in every area of your life. Your marriage, your parenting, your relationships, your social media, your finances, your church, your work, every area. Be just like Jesus. We're going to sing this song called um, Scandal of Grace, all right? There's a line in this song that says, to be like you, and it's talking about Jesus. A lot of us before this sermon probably is like, I could never be like Jesus, right? I could never be like Jesus. After you've heard about him and read him, you're like, I can't be that. But the whole point is when God asked you to be like Jesus, he gave you everything you needed to do it. Grace. Grace. And it's a stumbling block for some, and it's something that others stand on. I want you to stand on that. Stand that the divine enablement of God gives you everything you need to be like him. When you sing these words and you see that it says there's troubles today, there's things that are here to conquer you, but his strength you can trust in. That's grace. You can be like Jesus. You can be like him. And he's given you what you need to do it. So let's, let's live in that today. Amen? Amen. Stand up and sing with us.
Hey, Clinton, keep, keep uh, playing. I want everybody to look back here real quick. So with this message, this is where I stand. I stand out here with you guys. Not looking down on you, not condescending. I stand back here because the only way that this marriage, this family exists is because of the divine enablement of God to keep this woman sticking it out through all the stuff I took her through, to keep my daughter believing in me as a father, to keep this household believing in me when I did everything <clears throat> to break it. So that message isn't me talking down to you. I'm back here with you, sitting down. And by the grace of God, I'm able to preach, even as I sit back here in my spirit, knowing I have failed him so much and knowing I don't deserve any of this. And yet, he continues to enable me to love on you and to be faithful to this, even as I fail week after week. So don't, don't think something up there is unattainable. There's nothing but letting God have his way. All of this is for you today to experience if you just allow him to have his way with you. Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And we thank you even for your justice because it's because of your justice you sent Jesus to fulfill and appease your wrath against us and die in our place. And it's because of that death, burial, and resurrection that we have a Savior that we can believe and place our trust in. We have a Lord who can lead us and empower us, enable us with everything we need to be obedient to you. Father, I'm asking that the hearts in this room are transformed, are moved, Father, into obedience to the faith. I'm asking that we realize that those of us who have trusted in your Son, Jesus Christ, have received grace, not just your favor, not just your, your forgiveness, but your enablement. To, to literally show the world what your son looks like by loving in a supernatural way, by giving in a supernatural way, by serving in a supernatural way because it's none of us and all of you. Father, that grace right there, may we, may we hold that dear and may we, may we change the way that we live today because of it. We thank you. We thank your precious son for his sacrifice. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love you all. Have a beautiful week. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.